Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. My name's Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters magazine. Delighted that you could join us for this edition and we're also thrilled to have this podcast sponsored by the Health and Safety event, which, if you don't know, takes place at the NEC in Birmingham on the 7th to the 9th of September in just a few weeks' time. And if you register up to attend the event, which you can do so at www.healthandsafetyevent.com, your pass actually gives you free access to more than just the health and safety event. It also gives you free access to a number of co-located shows, including the fire safety event, the facilities event, the security event, National Cyber Security Show, and now for the first time, the emergency services show. So it's completely free to attend. There's over 300 hours of CPD across all of the exhibitions and conference theatres there. There's going to be 900 exhibitors across this whole series of shows. So well worth attending. All you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com to secure your free pass. So as always, we start with the news. And the first story I want to go over this week is some news from the BSI. So BSI, in its role as the UK National Standards Body, has published new competency criteria following two rounds of public consultations. The standard supports industry reform and intends to minimise safety risks and improve protection to consumers and occupants, including residents, in and about buildings. The new code of practice, which is named BSI Flex H670 version 3.0, easy for me to say, built environment, core criteria for the building safety and competency framework code of practice, as I said, easy for me to say. This sets the core criteria for building safety competence including fire safety, structural safety and public health for all individuals working in the built environment to improve safety outcomes throughout the building life cycle. It will support progressive development of a more consistent approach in the development and use of competency framework across the industry. So Scott Steedman, who's the Director General of Standards at BSI, said, Danger Hackett's report, Building a Safer Future, called on industry to change its culture to support the delivery of building so that are safe both now and in the future. The new code of practice published a part of BSI's Built Environment Competency Programme provides an agreed common approach for industry to embed building safety competence at all levels and across all roles, functions, tasks and activities. This is a major step forward which has the potential to support real change in industry understanding of building safety in the years and decades ahead. So in addition to this, the Building Safety Minister, Lord Greenhall, said, we're making the biggest changes to the building safety in a generation. This new criteria, funded by the government, will set a new standard for professionals across the sector and will underpin our wider reforms to ensure that new homes are designed, built and managed more safely in the future. I urge all sectors in the industry to adopt this. So actually, it's it's worth noting that this has been published as one part of the government-funded built environment competency program as we outlined above it's been developed by an advisory group of built environment professionals so you know this seems like really welcome news i think you know the things i'd say on it is people have the right to expect their buildings and their immediate environment are designed built and maintained in a way that's safe i think it's pretty obvious to say isn't it and and this goes a long way to moving forwards on that front you know occupants need to have confidence and trust in people who are responsible for ensuring that their interests are properly considered and that safety is a priority. So I think I finish off on this by saying that the competency of all who provide these services and products throughout the life cycle of the building is key to achieving this. So it's good to see that the BSI 
did two consultations to the public on this, got the feedback, and it, as, as we've said before on this podcast, things are moving forward in terms of legislative changes in the built environment. We've also just seen the Fire Safety Bill get Royal Assent, and if you want to find out more about that, we've covered that in depth on our sister podcast, which I host um, with Brian Sims, who's the editor of Fire Safety Matters. If you've never heard that podcast, however you get your podcasts, YouTube, your iPhone, wherever you normally go, just type Fire Safety Matters and you'll see the Fire Safety Matters podcast. And actually, we had the first ever interview with in the sector from the new um, building safety regulator, uh, Peter, who's heading that up, Peter Baker, which is obviously part of the health and safety executive. So, yeah, go back and listen to that episode. I'd suggest you want to learn more on that topic. So moving on to our, our next news story, if we can, for a moment. And we can because I'm running the show on this one. So this one talks about the older generation being more anxious about returning to work. So a new survey has revealed a huge gap in how safe different generations feel about going back to the offices and places of work as the government's coronavirus roadmap progresses. As we all know, we are allegedly moving towards the 21st of June with restrictions being lifted, but I think a lot of us are suspecting that that final lifting of the final restrictions possibly will be delayed but yeah we are still moving forward towards it so this study by um airdrie uh, which is a manufacturing firm interviewed 2000 people and uh, airdrie are the makers of sterospace and and this survey revealed that just 16 percent of under 24s are worried about picking up germs from colleagues in communal areas returning to work compared to 43 percent of over 25 COVID-19 was chosen as the main concern about office working for 33% of those aged 45 to 54 and 39% of over 55s. While those in younger age groups were more likely to be anxious about performance-related issues such as not being up to the challenge, that's 21% of the respondents said that, or stress, 26% of the younger um, people who took part of this was that their main concern. The majority of people in all age groups, apart from those aged 18 to 24, agreed that they would feel less concerned about returning to the office if they knew that the company's products and policies for infection control. Just 37% of the younger age group agreed policies and products would make them feel safer, compared with over 50% in all the other age brackets. This rose to 72% in over 55s. So the study also uncovered variations in attitude towards virtual meeting versus face-to-face communications, with 32% of under-24s not looking forward to -to face-to-face meetings, versus just 20% in the 45 and over category. So Steve Whittle, Group Director of Research and Development Operations at uh, Airdrie, said, with the government's roadmap out of coronavirus so far progressing according to plan, many people's thoughts are turning towards when they may make return in working to a communal office or building. What our research shows is there's a big gap, in, and this is worrying, between the younger age groups compared with the older generations. Some of the figures were surprising, given that it's the older generation groups that would have been fully vaccinated by the time the government removes the direction to work from home. Yet with the news of variants hitting the headlines and the fact that COVID-19 statistically affects on generations more seriously, it's perhaps understandable. So, as we said, Airdrie surveyed over 2,000 working British adults and this data has been weighed to be representative of the British adult population as a whole. So, yeah, some interesting statistics there. It's something that we have to think about here at at our company with people returning to work. I think I said on this podcast before, a lot of our staff have wanted to come back in the office and have started to come back into the office. And 
We've had to take steps, you know, risk assessments, as you'd expect, to try and make it COVID secure. I mean, we work in a very face-to-face environment in, in journalism and media sales. And I know our staff miss being out on the road. And, you know, that, that isn't happening at the moment. You know, we miss going to events like the health and safety event, which, you know, we're looking forward to doing in September. But it's not necessarily how everybody feels in this situation and you can certainly understand why older generations would be more anxious about this because i think the quote there that that i read to you from steve is is quite pertinent covid19 does seem to affect and this is statistically true um older generations more in a, you know in, a, in a more serious ways than, than younger generations uh, and of course You've got to mitigate that by saying people with underlying health issues at any age are severely at risk through this terrible disease. But I can understand why elder workers, uh, and you've got to be careful when you say what counts as elderly workers, but I can understand the, the reticence to, to come back to the workplace. And that. But equally, there's a mental health aspect to this too. You know, so we've got a broad mixture of people that work for us here. You know, we've got 24 employees uh, and, you know, young, you know, all, all the way through to, to over 60s. And it's, it's something you have to take into account for sure. But I think all we can do at this point as we follow the government roadmap is, is follow the guidance and also be understanding of employees' needs. If they don't feel safe coming back in, and, and we have got a couple of staff um, of an age group or underlying health issues that, that don't want to actively come back to the office right now. And I think you have to respect that. And, and I think that's something you have to take, take on board because it's, you know, health is the most important thing. I've said on this podcast many a time that everyone has the right to come home from work safe. That is a right, in my opinion. It's, it's a slogan that the HSE used um, to do with agricultural safety campaigns in the past. And, and, and I completely agree with it and, and believe in it. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting survey. I don't think it throws up too many surprises necessarily, but um, I thought I'd share that with you. Now, one thing I do really want to share with you was a massive success that happened. I don't know if you're aware, uh, and I know many of you are, that Health and Safety Matters magazine partnered with the Health and Safety Executive and Nibosh for a, for a recent webinar, and it just blew away all numbers of engagement that anyone's seen in the sector. And I'm truly grateful to any of you that took the time to watch that free webinar. If you haven't seen it, you must go out of your way to see it. It's available on demand. So this was a webinar we did in May with the Health and Safety Executive on risk management. And it was expertly chaired by Matt Bertels, who's the Principal Ergonomic and Human Factors Consultant at the HSC. And it covered a number of topics uh, to do with risk management. There was the principles of risk management. And, and this topic was talked about by Kim Ross, who's a HSC inspector. And you know, she went through reasons for managing health and safety risks, straightforward steps organisations should take to effectively manage risks, and the importance of taking ongoing action to monitor and manage these identified risks. You know, it then moved on to a common sense approach to risk management, which was delivered by Ron Macbeth, who's the risk assessment technical leader of the health and safety executive. And then we had another HSE inspector talk about an inspector's experience that was Nick Rigby and he gave an insight into what inspectors look for when visiting a site and gives some examples of good and bad practice that he's seen then we moved on to um, Matt Powell Howard who's the head of learning and partnerships with Nibosh and Matt talked about how the risk management principles have been used in the development and the training course and, and an app that uh, Nibosh have got so and this is um, 
a new Nibosh and HSE Warden risk management and risk assessment at work, and obviously the new HSE SME mobile app. Then there was an extensive q and I mean, when I say this was record-breaking for engagement, I'm, I'm not making this up, you know. We had over 12,000 people register for this. We had over 6,000 people live. We've had over 1,500 people watch it on demand in the couple of weeks since we've done this. We had 1,100 questions. You talk about engagement, that shows it. That, that shows the passion that you all have for this sector. And, and I think the reason this was such a big success was you don't normally just get easy access to a HSE inspector, and we gave you access to two, um, Kim and Nick. And, and it was a fantastic session. I mean, I really enjoyed it. We are doing a write-up in the magazine of it. And I, and I have no doubt that we're in the process of going through those 1,100 questions with HSE and eWatch, and we're going to publish answers to all of them. That's that's HSE's commitment to this. You know, it's it, it, it was something that, we really, really enjoyed doing and the feedback we have has been overwhelming. So I would urge you, to, if you haven't heard this, please do go and watch it. It's free. You get CBD for watching it. All you need to do is go to our website, which is www.hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab on the main navigation at the top. So hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab. And just go down to the HSE Risk Management webinar. You can watch it on demand for free. Do share it with your colleagues. I mean, this is not easy to get information that's freely available. So it's well worth um, you taking the time to do it. So there's one other thing I want to uh, go on as a final news story. A similar, in a sense. Um, we, we had a very successful PPE digital conference with the British Safety Industry Federation, another key partner of ours. And, and it was brilliant. It went through everything you could want to cover from PPE, from RSSS scheme. And congratulations, I should say, to the British Safety Industry Federation for being shortlisted for an industry award for that scheme. Um, it's a fantastic scheme and thoroughly deserves its shortlisting. Um, and I talked about UKCA. But also, it finally, this digital conference, played host to the Safety and Health Excellence Awards 2020. I do mean 2020. <laughs> we, we delayed those physical awards three times because of COVID. It was meant to be in April 2020. Then it was meant to be in November. Then it was meant to be April this year. In the end, the shortlisted people, and there's over 100 shortlisted entries, it was bang on 100, I think, of over 200 entries that, that entered, the highest quality of entries we have ever seen, in, and the most amount of entries I say we've ever seen in that. And it was unfair to make the shortlisted companies wait any longer, so we delivered it. And it was a great couple of hours with comedy that we had there from Alison McGowan, the impressionist, who actually tailored a comedy set straight to the health and safety audience. Now, you can watch these awards on demand if you want. Um, you can absolutely watch it. And the BSAF PPE conference you can watch on demand. Again, all you need to do is go to hsmsearch.com and click on the webinars tab and you'll find it. But I want to take this time to pay credit where credit is due, to be quite frank, and just go over the, the winners that were there. So the, the winners were as follows. The BSAF Customer Service Award, the winner was Essential Skills. The highly commended entries were Martel and Concept Products, and the commended entry was Lyrico and Seton. The BSAF Water Pollution Prevention Award, which is a new category, the winners was joint this year, actually. It was from Bilgeway River Canal Rescue and Loughborough University. The BSAF Product Innovation Award, long-standing awards, um, this one as well. It was won by Brilliant Ideas as Net Recovery System, and the highly commended entries were Kia Highways, Instaboom, and Design Reality Fit check technology and the commended entry was 
secure, sorry, Centurion, XIV arc screen and Pantuit very safe voltage assessor. The final BSIF category was a safety solutions award, another long standing award, and the winner was Hunter Apparel Solutions. And the highly commended was VPS UK Limited. The commended entries were Brilliant Ideas and Lyrica. So moving on to the non-BSIF categories, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award, the winner was Louise Ward. Louise is such a deserving winner of that. She's a columnist for HSM. She's been in the sector for a fair while now, for a, for a, for a relatively young lady, I'd say, Louise, if you're listening. And, you know, her passion for health and safety, it was a no-brainer for the judges to pick um, Lou, thoroughly deserved. Um, and I really enjoyed her acceptance speech. We could see her cat in the, uh, the left-hand uh, side of the screen. First time we've had an animal on any of our, uh, I'd say pet, on, on any of our broadcasts. So anyone that spotted that Easter egg, I, I certainly enjoyed it. So... Health and Safety Manager of the Year Award was Sarah Broadbent was the winner of that from 3M Limited. The highly commended entry was Joanne Milnes from CBRE GWS. The commended entry was Simon Haywood of the Greener Gardening Company Limited. The Rising Star Award, the winner was Robert Jukes of Wax Lyrical Limited. The highly commended entry was Paul Bolton of M247. The commended entry was Sharon McGorry of Grand Union Housing Group. The Health and Safety Team of the Year, the winner of that was Hunter Safety Solutions. The highly commended entry was James Briggs Limited. The commended entry was Ren Kitchens. So, only got a few more categories to go. The Best Health and Safety Manufacturing, the winner was H plus H UK Limited. The highly commended entry was Ryobi UK Limited. And the commended entry was Siemens Mobility. The Best Health and Safety Project, the winner was Travis Perkins. The highly commended entry was Wakefield Council. The commended entry was the British Horse Society. Now, this next category is one that's very close to us, our hearts, is the Alan MacArthur Unsung Hero Award, uh, which is done in honour of Alan MacArthur, who, who was a wonderful industry practitioner, worked for years, and, and, and uh, 3M as well. Was, and he sadly passed away a few years back in this and this award is done very much in his honour and we only pick a winner for this the judges and the the winner was Richard Abess from Siemens Ability Rolling Stock the best health and safety in construction category is won by Kia Highways the highly commended entry was D Morgan PLC the commended entry was ADT Workplace and the fire innovation of the year award winner was Fire Pro UK for Fire Pro Fire Suppression System, the highly commended entries, well, it was two of them actually, FFE Fire Ray 1 and Coltraco Ultrasonics, the port level touch, and the commended entry was Plumis Automist Smart Scan Hydra. The campaign of the year, the winner was Briggs Defence, the highly commended entry was GKN Aerospace, and the commended entry was Bradford District Care NHS Foundation Trust. Safe Logistics Awards, um, the winner for that was Britvic Soft Drinks, and the highly commended entries were Travis Perkins and also SEC Storage. So I'd like to congratulate all the winners, the highly commended entries and the commended entries and, and also everybody that actually was shortlisted full stop. You know, it really was not an easy uh, way to get shortlisted. It was the best um, shortlist we've ever produced, best entries we've ever had. So... Yeah, huge thanks to all of you that also watched and attended the events. But actually, I'd like to take this time to thank our judges who volunteer their time for free. And we had such an esteemed panel of judges. You know, I can't pick the winners for <laughs> for this. Um, it's done by industry experts who are far more suitably placed than I to, to do it. We had Nicole Vasquez from Lone Worker Live. 
We had Ian Moore, the Chief Executive of the Fire Industry Association. We had Barry Wilkes, the Director of Strategy at Nebosch. Paul Fakely from the British Safety Council. We had Gary Fillets from RRC Training. And we had Ian Krellin from the BSIF. Um, we also had, so I should say, Graham Ferris from the Independent Fire Engineering Distribution Association as well. So, and also thank you to Kelly Rose, the HSM editor, and Simon Duddy, the editor of Handling and Storage Solutions magazine, who oversaw the processes for me. And, you know, those judges volunteered their time for free, and they did an unbelievable job, and I'm very grateful for them for donating their time. But we don't stand still here, and we've now actually opened the entries for the 2021 Safety and Health Excellence Awards. It's completely free to enter. We're going to be announcing the shortlist in September. So you've got until the end of August to enter. It's completely free. You've just heard all the categories in great detail. Please, please, please do enter. This is the perfect way to get your team, your product, your project, um, an individual, yourself, um, a supplier, whoever goes out of their way to really push forward safety standards to ensure either property protection or life safety or the protection of people. The job you do is absolutely key in keeping buildings and people safe. You know this, we talk about this a lot, and you deserve the recognition for it. So it doesn't take more than about five minutes to enter these awards, but it is a great way of getting recognition. Please do enter. All you need to do is go to, uh, you can Google it if you want, the Safety Health Excellence Awards, and you can enter for free in any of the categories. You can enter as many times as you want and into as many categories as you want. But if you want the direct web address, it's www.she-awards.com. She-awards.com. Or just Google, um, as I said, the Safety and Health Excellence Awards. So now I'm going to introduce our main guest for today's Health and Safety Matters podcast. This one was a particularly enjoyable interview for me. It's something a little bit different. I got to sit down with Mark Crichton. Now, Mark is the business development manager at Peninsula UK, um, which are obviously employment, HR and health and safety experts and consultants. Now, Mark is someone I've known for a while off and on because he's not your traditional health and safety professional, how, how he'd get in here. He's actually a former professional footballer, played for Oxford United, the club that I support and love dearly, and was part of Oxford United's promotion winning side in 2010 at Wembley. So I had a great chat that you're about to hear with Mark talking about his career, how he got into health and safety, the main challenges for the health and safety sector. And I think this is a really interesting interview because it's quite clear you know, Mark owns his own businesses as well, which you talk about. His passion for health and safety really came through, and, and he's managed to relate that back to his career as a professional footballer. Now, I can tell you from watching Mark play many times, he was a no-nonsense centre defender, a brilliant player that wore his heart on his sleeve, and he's really taken that enthusiasm through into health and safety. So hopefully you'll enjoy this interview. I sure as hell enjoyed sitting down with Mark and, um, you know, sit back and enjoy it. And now I'd like to introduce you to Mark Crichton from Peninsula, UK. Morning, Mark. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, well, this is a re real thrill for me today because I get to get some of my other interests outside of health and safety uh, onto the podcast. Uh, as you know, uh, I'm a massive football fan, a massive Oxford United fan, and 
you used to play for Oxford United. So this is a real thrill for me to get you on the podcast, talk about health and safety and football. So can you, at the moment, obviously you're at Peninsula. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your current role there is? Okay, so yeah, um, I'm I'm a, a currently a business development manager uh, for Peninsula UK. So I work with uh, SMEs up and down uh, the country, supporting them with their employment law and health and safety for their businesses. But as I was saying before that, you definitely weren't in health and safety. You were a professional footballer. So you tell us a bit about your career. Well, you say I wasn't in health and safety, but actually, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this earlier. I guess my early days of risk assessing started when I was uh, assessing who I was playing against on a Saturday and seeing where the risks lie with that. But um, yeah, absolutely right. I was a professional footballer. Uh, I was lucky enough to play for one of the greatest clubs in the country, Oxford United. Um, yeah, nice, nice smile on your face there. I can see that. And, and, I, and I mean it. I genuinely mean it. Fantastic football club. Fantastic memories of, of being a part of that. Uh, and a part of the team that was, you know, was fairly successful uh, when I was there. Um, so yeah, that, that that was my background. So very different to what I'm doing now. And what other clubs did you play for in your career? So I started. Uh, I didn't turn professional until I was 23 years old, uh, and I joined the Kidderminster Harriers. Uh, having been, uh, I was a builder and uh, playing part-time football. So I was I was a man of the world, uh, and I liked to pint after a game, and you know. Taking the step up to professional um, elite level sort of kind of kiboshed that. Um, but in all fairness, when I did do it, I never looked back. And so, yeah, I started at Kidderminster. Then Chris Wilder brought me uh, to Oxford. And then Dean Saunders took me up to Wrexham, where I finished my career. And hence, where I'm living now is North Wales uh, in Wrexham. And didn't you go into a bit of coaching after that originally? I did, yeah. I uh, I, I retired uh, from football through um, a serious knee injury that I tried to recover from, but ultimately failed. Um, so yeah, the natural step then for me was uh, I always felt like I was a fairly decent leader on the pitch, so I thought, you know what, try my hand at um, <clears throat> a bit of coaching. Uh, so I did that. I you know, went through the Welsh system, uh, did my uh, my UEFA licences, uh, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I, I really liked it. Went into the coaching side of things assistant manager at Kidderminster Harriers, uh, then over to Wrexham as first team coach. Um, and then kind of after that, I, I guess the, I guess the best way of describing it is I fell out of love with football a little bit, really. You know, that wasn't, it, it wasn't my driver anymore. It, it, it didn't get me going. Um, so I, I, I looked into other things. I, I already had my own business that I set up while I was still playing um, for Wrexham, which is a custom tattoo studio in North Wales. Um, so I've had that nine years now. So the football side of things for me, just it kind of died off and it fizzled out. Did some great work with BT Sport as well as a uh, as a media pundit, which actually I thoroughly love that, you know, because that side of it was was still fun. Um, and it was great to go to different grounds and you know, work with different people. Um, so I did enjoy that side of it. But the coaching management side, it, it wasn't for me. Now, before we come on to, to, to the career that you're doing now, what were the highs of your career? Because, you know, I remember you very much as a tough tackling centre-half, wore your heart on your sleeve and you did a great job for Oxford. You, of course, you were part of that promotion side back into the Football League in 2020, sorry, 2010, wasn't it, at Wembley? What, what was the highs of your football career, would you say? I think uh, that season in general was just epic. Um, you know, to I was playing part-time football, yeah, Got a professional deal at Kidderminster Harriers where I was captain there, you know, had three 
three or four really good seasons there. But then when Chris Wilder took me to Oxford, that was that was almost like a huge pat on the back to me that I was going to such a big club and a big club was so interested in me and keen to sign me. And I was one of the first summer signings. So um, I, I know I was he- heavily targeted by the club. Um, and it just, it started great and it ended great. You know, I scored on my debut uh, at home to York in the last kick of the game, pretty much. And the, the, the ground erupted. Um, and then from that moment onwards, you know, we, we we did pretty well, to be fair. And I guess to answer your question, though, the, the, you know, the highlight was, of course, you know, the end of the season um, playoff final at Wembley Stadium. 37,000 yellow fans just just took over Wembley. Uh, it was it was yellow. And yeah, the, and it isn't it isn't just about the result of Wembley, um, which is obviously the key, and you all want to win at Wembley. But it's the way we did it, the way we played. I thought we were great value for the win on the day. And yeah, you know, Clarkey did his best to, to to try and spoil it at one point. But um, yeah, we stood firm, uh, and I think the fan the fans you know, they must have thoroughly enjoyed it because it was a, it was such a good day. Like I say, we played really well. Don't think we were ever in danger of losing that game from the minute we kicked off. Um, so that, that those are the most precious memories that nobody can ever take away from me. And then obviously follow that, you know, the open top bus tour around the town where the same amount of people took to the streets. It was just it's incredible. And I'm such a humble guy and I come, come from small backgrounds and, you know, I was a builder and, you know, to have these many people like shouting beast to me is just, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it brings uh, like a lump in my throat now just even thinking about those times but like I say they're, they're memories that are special and, they'll, and they'll, they'll never leave Me too I think I was probably just as hungover as you during that open top bus parade to be fair um, <laughs> I, I remember that day very very well at Wembley you know um, phenomenally grateful to you as a football fan for what you did for my football club and uh yeah, it's it, one of my favourite days out I've ever had full stop anyway. It was a wonderful day out and uh, and I loved it. And, and actually, funnily enough, I was laughing about this this year of the day. My LinkedIn profile picture is still a picture of you, me and your teammate James Constable. So when you dropped me a line and said, oh yeah, I'm doing some health and safety stuff, I thought, oh, I've got it. Got to get beast on the podcast. This will be this will be good value. Um, and and it's a small world. And and you have and you said you know you've had a, a you know a really interesting business career too. You you've got your Tattoo studio, and, and I want to talk more about now your current role. What while we were off air before this, you you were talking about actually, you always feel like you've had a link to health and safety from from what you've done and, and risk assessment. So can you tell us a bit more about what you currently do in your role? Yeah, so so my my prim, primarily role uh, is to is to go out meet with business owners, SMEs, effectively. Um, you know, and try and support them in areas of compliance that they can't support themselves in. Um, now, again, this is an area where, and I think this this resolutes with the you know the the, the clients are going to see is that I am also a business owner, so I sit in their chair and I know just how difficult it is or can be to comply with law from employment law and health and safety. And I certainly didn't set up my business to become experts in either of those fields. Because it's very, very complex. And unless you go and training them, then you're probably not going to get it right. You can do your best and you can try. But, you know, ultimately, especially with things like COVID coming in and, you know, the, the way that that's turned health and safety upside down effectively for, for all businesses and all sectors. Um, it's just, it, it's actually really nice for me to be able to go out there 
and support these small businesses and actually put their policies, their risk assessments, their management system together for them and then support them through that journey. Um, of course, nobody can do all of their health and safety for them because health and safety is a, you know, it's, a, it's an ongoing risk. Uh, you need to continuously assess. So they are our eyes and ears. But we work in a way that we, you know, we train them, we bring them up to speed as to where they need to be, put software systems in place so that they get periodic reminders, task reminders, so they never fall foul um, and never should really fall out of compliance. Of course, you know, and I say never should. As long as they follow our guidance, then then they can they can remain compliant. Um, so it, it's kind of a buy-in from their part as well. It's not that we just come in and we set all this up and say, there you go, you're safe. And that's not how health and safety works, and I think we all know that. Um, so, but what we do do is we put the legalities in, and we know what they need to be compliant. And how did you actually get into it? How did you start working with Peninsula? So, it, 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 yeah, it's a funny one. I was back and forth to Los Angeles uh, a few years ago. Um, and then when I finally planted my feet back in uh, in England and I was, at a, I was at a crossroads, I fell out of love with football. Well, it wasn't really a, a pathway I wanted to take. Yes, I had my own business, but I never really wanted to work in there. That's not why I set it up. I effectively set it up to be my personal pension, which is, you know, is what it is to this day. Um so I just put a tweet out there, um, moving back up to North Wales. I'm open to some suggestions as to what you know sector to go into next. Hit me up with some ideas because you know I've got a fairly decent following on on social media. So you know, and 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 a lot of good friends uh, that follow me on there. So I knew that somebody would come back to me with something. And as it happens, it was uh, it was Owen Clark, uh, who you will probably know as well from from the Oxford days, who was. Uh, commercial manager at the club a few years back and he he reached out to me straight away and phoned me and said Mark well come and work for me at Peninsula and I was like well, you're gonna have to forgive me Owen you know I've known you a long time but I have no idea what you do and then obviously when he started filling me in on what the company does and how they operate and how they support first and foremost the penny dropped for me that I need to take these services because these are areas that I'd always struggled with and I actually didn't know that there was help and support out there. Um, so straight away, we had a little chat about me taking the services um, to support my business, which I, I still have to this day. But then obviously, the interest grew with me because it's something I really believe in and I'm passionate about it uh, and I love supporting people and I love problem solving for people and that's what effectively my, my job is. I go in there Generally, because they've got an issue, I go and solve that problem for them in one way, shape or form. Um, so Owen got me uh, got me in the door at Peninsula. Fortunately, I, you know, I got offered the role and I cover North Wales, Mid Wales uh, as a path for where I can physically go out and, and see my clients. But effectively, I can I can speak to anybody up and down the country. Um, so that's how I got into the company. Uh, and I think from the company's perspective, uh, they like the fact that I am a business owner myself. So I, I can resonate and I can understand just how hard it is for SMEs to be compliant in these fields. And I think that was the, the, one of the drivers for Peninsula to get someone like me who hadn't got that background. Uh, also, of course, they trained me up. So I, I now know a lot more than I first did when I first started. Um, so yeah, I think that was the driver from from their side of it that you know I do sit in that chair too. 
So, so our audience, health and safety managers, audience, people that are listening to this now, but very diverse what they do. There's a lot of health and safety managers, there's a lot of risk assessors, consultants, you know, uh, as you could expect, they're people, they're responsible for keeping people and property safe. So, but not all of them are going to know what Peninsula are and what Peninsula do. You, you've touched on it a bit right now, but can you tell us a bit more about what Peninsula offer? Yeah, so effectively, we're an outsourced consultancy. Um, you know, we're, we're the largest in the UK, currently 35,000 clients. And what we what we do from a health and safety perspective is we become uh, the responsible person, you know, so to speak. So we will go in there, we will audit the company, we will write their uh, bespoke policy uh, for them. Uh, we will, any uh, handbooks that are required, health and safety handbooks, driver's handbooks, contractor handbooks, um, e-learning training for the staff, risk assessments uh, we can do with them. We have a, a really fantastic software system which helps them manage their health and safety. And this is where I touched on it before, about task management. Um, and uh, effectively what that does is it, when there's a task due, it will, it will let the client know that there's a task to be completed. They will then complete the task or update the system, say it's been done. It automatically resets it for the next time it needs to be completed. So the way we create this is to make it as easy as possible for our clients to manage their health and safety, manage the risk within their business uh, on a daily basis without them having to do too much work. Uh, because that's what small business owners don't have. They don't have the time and they generally don't have the expertise to put this in themselves. Do you think that's what sets Peninsula apart from other people offer similar services, that you just make it simple for the clients? Is there anything else? Is that what it is that sets you apart, or is it other things that set you apart? In your no, I think, it's, I think it's a combination of everything. Um, the minds that we have within Peninsula are phenomenal. You know, all different backgrounds that have worked in health and safety all of their lives. Um, we have uh, the, the man and woman power to go out there and physically visit the clients as many times as they need us to visit. It's, it's, I think it's the fact that our attention to detail and, and, and what our sole focus is, is is to keep them compliant, but to do it in a way that, yeah, I've already said it, we can't do everything for them. That's impossible. They have to do some themselves, but we set it up in the way that it's so simple for them to remain compliant and it's at the, at the least effort to them possible because they, they don't have the time um, to, to complete these on their general day-to-day -day tasks. So the smallest amount that they have to do is, is generally always best. So if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about how they can work with Peninsula, what's the easiest way to do that, Mark? I, I would just encourage you to pick up the phone. Um, give me a call, uh, 07971 253888. Happy to come out, come and visit you if you're, if you're close enough. Um, we'll have a coffee, we'll have a sit down, we'll have a chat, run through what you've currently got in place highlight some areas where you, you maybe need to put some, some more in place. Uh, but effectively, I can provide a, a form of an audit for you. Uh, and again, you know, completely complimentary and there's no obligation to take our services. What it kind of does uh, and what it will give you is, is just uh, a gap analysis really of where you're currently sitting uh, with your health and safety uh, within the business. So that, that's what the, the best way to get hold of me is just to give me a call have a chat. I'm a friendly guy. Hopefully that comes across, uh, you know, in, in this podcast. Um, even if you've got the smallest question, you just want to ask a simple question, phone me up, ask me. I've got no problem with that at all. 
And I think if I'm right in saying, you know, that the websites, uh, the Peninsula Group Limited dot com, isn't it? Is the website? I think yeah. you guys and and you, as you said, are pretty active on social media. So I'm sure people could also get in touch with you via Twitter and LinkedIn if needed. Absolutely, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, just uh, just search me out. I'm on there. Um, yeah, and I look forward to to speaking to you. Well, it was a real pleasure for me to catch up for you again. It's a long time no see. Um, Thrilled that you've landed on your feet in health and safety. Um, glad that you're enjoying it. You're clearly passionate about it. Just as passionate as you were in a player on the pitch. And as a football fan, as I said, it was a pleasure to watch you play. It was um, thrilled that you played for our football club. And I'm glad that we did this. And, um, you know, hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. No, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. And thank you for getting me on. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's keep in touch and let's do some more. That's all we've got time for this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Thank you for joining me today. You can go back and listen to our back archive of podcasts or however you get your podcast. Just type Health and Safety Matters. If you aren't already subscribing to Health and Safety Matters, you can get the magazine for free in print or digital format. Please go to our website, hsmsearch.com. You can also sign up to our twice-a-week e-newsletter. And the website just has a plethora of information, all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services from the industry. It's also got a huge archive of our CPD webinars. So all you need to do is go to www.hsmsearch.com. Thank you again to our sponsors of this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast, which is the Health and Safety event. And you can attend the Health and Safety event at the NEC in Birmingham on the 7th to 9th of September 2021. It's completely free to attend. And all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So we'll be back in a month's time with the next edition of the podcast. But until then, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Health and Safety Matters podcast.